Hey guys, Samir here from Better Beirut with Farah, and we're Hi. joined today with Amar Badr from Salty. Hi, Amar. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming over on this um, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Not so bright. How you doing today, Amar? What's going on? All's good. Alhamdulillah. How are you? We're okay. We're uh, eager to listen to hear you and discover what Salty is. It's something that we uh, just recently came across. But I have to say to listeners, if you have not listened to our last episode about Impact Lebanon yet, go back and listen to that first and then come back to this episode because this is an initiative under Impact Lebanon. But we're going to get more into it right now. Yes. Omar Badr, what is Sauti? So Sauti is an initiative that was incubated and prepared by members of Impact Lebanon. And ultimately, Sauti's goal is to catalyze involvement in the 22 parliamentary elections and get people informed about the entire election process from registration to voting to getting to know the alternative candidates and being ready to really engage in a really important uh, election for this country's history. I mean, that's that's something that, um, at least from, I think, most people's perspective, right, where initially there was this big momentum, like, we want change now. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe a bit of a sobering realization that, okay, maybe if we can't force their hand, we'll play by the rules, uh-huh. whatever the current rules are. And then the question becomes, how many people are actually aware of what these rules are? 100%. 100%. Yeah, I'm not. I'm one person who is... is <laughs> so you're you one know, of our audience yeah. members. <laughs> unblissfully ignorant. <laughs> well, I guess that's normal because so many people kind of just disengaged for the last, what, four or five decades because you felt like there was no space for you. There was no space for new players. It was always the same names, the same families. But things have started to change in the last, let's say, five years to be nice. elections that were yeah. coming up. So there's a lot more alternatives now. There's new parties that were born out of the revolution in October of 2019. So there are a lot of people we hear about maybe on the outlines, but we don't know what they're about, what's their platform. And how do we go about it? If we're not in the country, do we have to fly in? Which is what seems to be the case for a lot of people because there's a lack of trust. How do you guys want to go about this? So one of the major issues in Lebanon is there's little access to information. Nobody knows how things work, how you can participate, how you can engage. So for fundamental change and to implement all the quote-unquote demands people have been calling out for for the past year or past few years, you know, and to enforce this fundamental change, you need to get into the system and have political change, have representatives that represent the ideas, the ideals that people want to be implemented. To be able to do so, you need to be informed, you need to be ready to participate, know what you need to do and how you need to prepare to participate in the elections. And the main goal of Saudi is to help people get prepared, whether living in Lebanon or especially living in the diaspora. A lot of people living in the diaspora like, really want to help, really want to be involved in the change that's taking place, and it's already started. So we just want it to be a, like a resource tool and a point of contact so people can come in, find all the information they need to be ready to participate and, and be informed voters, know what they're, they're voting for, know who they're voting for, and know how their vote counts, really. In terms of recent history, let's say, um, if you want to talk about uh, political movements from, you know, both the liberal and conservative side in, in these, you know, in, in Europe, in the USA, 
what you're talking about, these grassroots movements that are catalyzing younger voters or disenfranchised voters, that's coming from the politicians themselves, mm-hmm. the new face of politicians, which is something, I guess, so far, unless I'm, I'm not aware of, hasn't happened here for us yet. My first question is, are we putting the carriage in front of the horse here? Are we setting the stage? But do we have people who are really willing to really put themselves out there? Because there is that risk. There is fear in this country. We're, we're not a, an ideal democracy or anything yeah. like that. There is instant gaslighting and, and dismissiveness from people currently in power whenever new faces come up. Lebanon, you know, everybody has links. If you are someone prominent, um, you know, middle-aged, who has a bit of experience, likely you would have engaged at some level in your career politically or in business or in any way form with the current rule makers. And that's the risky proposition. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Most of the things we're doing, most of the decisions we take are like informed by our experiences. And one of the main experiences that like the Lebanese faced or like went through was the 2018 election. There was an alternative list running for the election, if you want to call it an alternative list. That's the word we like to use. We don't like to say independent because it's independent from what, you know, but it's an alternative candidate or party. And one thing we saw with the diaspora was that they didn't know who they were. I don't know if you remember, they were Tahalif Watani, but nobody understood what Tahalif Watani is. Like you're saying, who's running, who they're connected to, where are they from? So one of the important things was kind of shedding light on who are these members or who are these candidates that are going to be running for election. So people can really understand who they are, what they're running for, and not be like hiding and not understanding. Because like you said, there's gaslighting. Who's this? Who, who they're running with? Who are they connected to? So really shedding light on these alternative candidates and uh, political organizations that people can start reading about, knowing about, getting in touch, to, getting in touch with. This raises an important or like relevant question. Who are you going to present? Who's the alternative? No one's really to say who the alternative is, and we're not going to be telling people who to vote for or who they should support. What we decided to do was kind of establish an eight-point criteria that kind of represents our values. So before really searching or researching about who's present, who are the alternative political uh, organizations or parties, we kind of established what our values are and what we believe can be... Uh, an alternative party that can implement the changes that people want to see in Lebanon. I think one of the things that maybe a lot of protesters would feel is, why are we still playing to their rules? And why are we still working within a system that is kind of built against us? It's a system that is flawed. you know. So if we're playing to that framework and we're still trying to go with elections and try and vote in people into the system that has been broken for so long, is that the right way to go about things? Or are we supposed to be focusing on tearing it down? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really important and interesting question. And I'll say straight off the bat that Saudi or we don't have the answer. We're not telling people what to do. It's not like, you know, you have to just go through the election process. If people believe there are different ways, then by all means, they should go ahead and lead the, the path, you know, on tearing down the system. <laughs> the reason we went with Saudi, we felt that this was the orthodox way through the election. Then, like we have, we have a system in Lebanon. There's a constitution. There's laws. There's a parliament. There are institutions that have been infested, but they exist. We can instill structural change through this system, and like we can, you can argue that you can say no, we can't. The system is is gone, and what we're gonna go in and waste our time and candidates. That's not what we believe. We wouldn't have done the initiative if we believed that. We think that we can vote in people that really represent the ideas, the, the values that Lebanese people have and want to implement in Lebanon. 
it's a discussion like what do you want to tear down the entire system that that's, that's a different initiative completely that yeah I and, and i just want to piggyback off that because I'm going to speak from my lived experience, from someone in their mid-30s with peers who are young professionals or at least, you know, starting to become sort of um, vital in their respective industries. And they will tell you, like, and this is maybe something disgusting for people to hear, but I'll just say it right off. They'll say, oh, well, you know, these people protesting, why didn't they vote? Why didn't they go try to really make change when the time was Mm. for them to make a change? Where were all these people and why weren't they on the list, right? From persons who are maybe ideologically okay with a regime change or shift towards change but they'll tell you no i mean there's livelihoods at stake you know uh we haven't spent the past 15 or 20 years you know waking up in a post-war lebanon and trying to build something out of it only for it to be another victim or sort of collateral damage to bullshit and shenanigans so there is that and and they are not you know there could be what you call the silent majority the people who aren't down on the streets who do want change but are not okay with or not able. Yeah, or not able to. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting point, and I really agree with the idea. Like, we can propose, you know, tearing down the system, but how are you going to do it? Are you organized to be able to, like, succeed take in that? Take its place. Can you take its place? What's going to happen then? So these are questions that we certainly can't answer for people, and that's for people to say, okay, that's what we want to do. But I think it's clear, from my perspective at least, that we're not organized to do that. We're not, we're not prepared for that. We've been living in this system in Lebanon with the corruption and with everything that's going on. And we're very much part of it. I'm not saying everyone is corrupt by any means, but we're very much part of it. We are able to change from within the system. And it's true. I do agree that the fact that so many people didn't vote in the last elections made a difference. The electoral law isn't really fair. That's true. But if two million people vote for a certain candidate, you can enforce it. Yeah, you can can enforce it. it. So one of the things we definitely believe in is that fundamental change is possible when a citizen becomes politically active and leads to more informed voting. That's really like within the system that exists and like participating within the system. Did you guys vote last uh, election? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I voted. I remember distinctly voting, going to that booth. Mm. Was there a thumb thing involved? Yes. Had the, yeah, mm, yeah. The, thumb? the issue is that you don't vote where you live. I think yeah. that's the yeah. main problem yeah. is that the people that they're maybe campaigning to not everybody lives there and you also are kind of hmm. you know disconnected from where hmm. you're voting because that's, that's not where you live that's true. That's true. Uh, or maybe your paperwork says you're from this village but you never go there yeah where you live maybe there's a demographic decision where no we don't want to shift the demos here so mm-hmm. no yeah, way so you're going to be able to transfer your uh the you know yeah, yeah added yeah, layer of that, apathy yeah. of yeah. like oh that that village is a goner. <laughs> like it's, they're going to be completely, you know, overtaken by one particular party, uh, which was the case, at least for my mm-hmm. village. We're right on the south, on the border with Israel. So it's pretty clear as to who they no side with. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised that there was an alternative on that list. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect it at all. Like I wasn't planning on even going if it was not available, if there was no alternative. But there was. But it was very clear through the process that they were probably not going to get it mm. just from like the general conversations the vibes, the vibes. It was yeah the vibes and the conversations and <laughs> and even me feeling like i don't belong here almost in the in line yeah. to vote and, uh, uh, to be fair like a lot of these conversations are really uh, it's not a conspiracy theory but they're planted like you know to make you think that 
you don't need to vote. There's there's no difference. Why there's would no, you even vote for yeah, someone? Yeah, there's no chance. And uh, we've been like doing some research, speaking to people, asking them, did you vote? Why did you vote? Why didn't you vote? And a lot of people said, I didn't think my vote would make a difference, you know? And that's something we want to really dispel, you know? You no, know, you should be active. If everyone thinks that their vote doesn't make a difference, then we're going to have a low voter yeah. turnout. And Collectively, then, sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you want to get people engaged and excited to participate and vote because it's their right. And it's one of the ways and one of the major ways where they can start I keep saying the same thing, but implementing the change that they've been demanding for a year and longer in some cases. I'm just, we've seen from the 2016 election in the USA to today how much this information age has started to influence both political thought and party loyalty Mm -hmm. or disloyalty Mm -hmm. and alternate or bubbles and realities. Mm -hmm. But we see it, I see it here affecting people on a social scale, but it hasn't really translated to an effective political change yet. I also think that the younger generation, they're becoming really politically engaged and it's moving in the right direction, but historically not very politically engaged. And the generation above us, our parents, notoriously, they're not a politically engaged generation. Like the civil war tore that apart. Mm. And I used to see the difference between my parents and my grandparents, for example, a generation that was really politically engaged. They asked the questions, they interfered. And then there was a generation where they're like, I don't want to get into any of this. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to stay away from politics. Well, like, there's a lot of bad blood there. They haven't had yeah, a chance to exactly, heal. They haven't exactly. had a chance to like yeah. you know reckon with what's and, happened. And what, what we want to get away with, and I hope that this initiative and a lot of other initiatives can push for that, is this to approach the elections based on like voting for an electoral campaign. What is this candidate or what is this organization going to do when it gets into the parliament? What do they support? What are they against? Instead of who they are and their background, and when I say their background, I mean from like a Lebanese context, their, their village or their family and whatnot. So, so, so get to know the, the people you're voting for and have a much more informed voting process. I think the strength this time around is that more people should know that they can vote from the diaspora. I think last time was the first time it was an yeah, option yeah. and many people didn't know or they found out by the time it was too late. Yeah, so that was one of the other things that really pushed us to start this initiative there's a point I want to make in the beginning that we need to clarify that when we say that diaspora on TV and on the radio and between friends, we always think about this like 16 million Lebanese people living around the world and they'll change everything in Lebanon. The reality is there are maybe 12, 15 million Lebanese descendants in the world. There's no accurate study. But the fact is who's able to vote in the elections. Again, there's no accurate numbers, but in reality, there's maybe up to 1 million Lebanese citizens Mm. that have their ID and can vote in the next election. And for Lebanese descendants, they can acquire their nationalities, depending obviously if their dad is Lebanese, not if their mom's Lebanese, unfortunately, and then they can end up voting. There is a lot of potential in the diaspora, but they're just, they're disengaged. Like you said, they didn't know that they can vote last time. As I was saying, that's what pushed us. Last time, 80,000 people registered to vote from the diaspora and like 40 or 46,000 people voted. That's nothing. That's abysmal, yeah. That's, that's nothing, yeah. you know? It, it can, imagine if you just take that up to 200,000 voters. That, that, can, that can shift an election, really, it can. Half a million voters. Uh, just to tell you something, a lot of people don't know these details. Most of the traditional parties, effective ones, they get 200,000 votes. Total. Total, total 250,000 votes, maximum. So there's a lot of potential. And we, we want people to be like ready to participate and know that their vote has weight. There is the potential to come in and vote. I just think of it in terms of, and one thing that, that's always struck me, this is like a lesson uh, I learned when, it, when you talk about, and this is maybe a different subject altogether, but 
when you talk about, say, like, you know, um, people going into veganism or against meat, right? And they'll tell you, we're going to stop buying meat and just pick your vegetables because our dollars count, right? Because we vote with our money or we choose with, with our, you know, with our pocket because it's easy. You can literally just, you know, select and do it. After the Beirut blast, how much outward did we have from the diaspora? And how much of those people, if given the chance, if they had, if it was easy and convenient, and that's the issue here, right? If it was straightforward, convenient, would select someone else or choose an alternative. In regards to the Beirut blast, the only help came from the diaspora. Obviously, the state did next to nothing. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was an interesting uh, poll that was done a few days ago, like in, in Lebanon. And they asked people, did you donate money to help? And according to this poll, like I'm not saying it's comprehensive, 87 people said they didn't in Lebanon because they didn't trust who they can help. But with so the diaspora, they were much more active, much more like, yeah, we want to you know, give them money, help people. Yeah. And there were some programs like Impact Lebanon who like raised a lot of funds. So the diaspora had a huge role uh, and they have a really big role to play in, in the elections coming up. Did I answer your question? Did I really hit that point? Yeah, it did. It yeah. did. That, that is the point. That, you yeah. know, that's what I'm I trying to get at. I don't think it was only diaspora i think just people here don't have the money or the means to be able to donate so they did it in other forms where like it was actually like you oh, know oh, yeah. on the ground doing things but oh, they couldn't yeah. maybe yeah, get money 100 you know, percent. yeah but, that was that's simply donations of course black as we saw on the streets so many people yeah in lebanon coming in and helping all around i was yeah. speaking to someone from who's not you know here they left um and they were saying that there's a fear of voting abroad because they don't trust, you know, the consulates or the embassies or the people there. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that we can, you know, put people at ease when it comes to voting? Definitely. Not definitely. here? Like they don't have to fly in to yeah, do it? Yeah. So really the goal with Saudi is to have the diaspora ready to vote and vote from where they're from, not not come to Lebanon at all. I have to book a flight. More often than not, they end up voting in the embassies or in consulates. One important point that Farah made was like, do they trust what's happening? So in every election process, you have volunteers that actually are inside the voting uh, booth. They sign up, they say, I'm going to be in the booth and I'm going to be like helping with the process. So the more volunteers you have, the more eyes you have on the process itself. So when we say we want people to be more informed, it's about voting, but it's also being ready for the entire process. So if we can start building a network where we have ambassadors for Lebanon, really, like volunteers that are in Paris or in, or in the countries around where there's like the diaspora in America or the Gulf, and really be like hands-on and their eyes are like really on the process. And then the last election, what happened actually that they put, they put cameras in the, in the embassies around the world, the Lebanese embassies, and people in Lebanon were watching these cameras and they were like checking if anything's happening. And what happened in general, especially in the diaspora, you had like two competing parties more often than not. So they're really like checking each other, you know, a lot of cheating took place, but you never know, you're right. There's, there's your right to be, to doubt. And just to answer uh, Samir's question, now a lot of this information is gonna be on our website, on our online resource tool, all of it, A to Z. But it's to talk about how, like where people vote. So if you vote in your respective village or city, if you go to your Lebanese ID at the back, there's something called Qada, in Arabic it's Kaza, and that's your electoral district, that's where you vote. So even if you're voting in London or Riyadh or whatever, you vote for the candidate in that respective village. Right. 
that's straightforward. You look, check the back of your ID. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at your, you vote at your respective village. Yeah, I want that, to. That information is going to be on the website. Sure. Comprehensive. And I, I want to backtrack to something that you mentioned earlier, that there were eight principles or tenets that you yeah. guys had or pre-qualifications. Can we talk about those? Definitely, definitely. So one of the things we really want to get out there is that we're an independent initiative. We're not uh, sponsoring or endorsing any candidate or any political organization. We just want people to be politically engaged, informed, and catalyze their involvement sure. in the next sure. election. Yeah. So when we want to present the alternative candidates, especially for the diaspora to see, like like we were talking about, like the Fatani, nobody knew what was happening. Who's this and who's this party? There are like three parties running together, but in another district, there are only two parties. So to kind of like let the people know more about the candidates, we're like, okay, how do we select the candidates? Or how do we select the alternative uh, political parties? And again, this is going to be comprehensively put on the website for everyone to see. So we were like, we have no say in this. We're not going to get to pick and choose who we want you to see. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of get our values, establish our values as an initiative that we believe and work with. Any initiative has its own values. It's independent, but you have your own own values mission yeah. your mission you know something you work by you're not going to break them so what we did is we established our values and through them we established kind of like an eight point criteria and any alternative party or organization we're going to call them political organizations have to basically kind of uh, pass this criteria right what i would hope though is you know beyond the these tentpole slogans. Uh, I mean, I'm happy with you as a sort of, uh, you know, grassroots organization saying these are like the basic minimum criteria, but what I would hope and expect and want to get out of these new emerging parties are actual real, you know, policy changes or or things that are, you know, specific. I mean, we don't, I never hear about elections in Lebanon and maybe that's my fault also for not being super engaged, you know, uh, you know, voting for specific, a specific, you know, um, law or a specific legislation that needs to be amended or changed. And and that's something, you know, I hope we go beyond these sort of like tentpole slogans of, yeah, we'll get rid of corruption and exactly. we'll, uh, yeah. we'll hold people accountable. We'll have an independent yeah. judiciary. Like, okay, shit, fuck, everybody wants that shit. I, Let's I go it. into the brass tacks. Let's talk about the real shit that's going to affect me. How are you actually going to do exactly. it? Exactly. I really agree with you. And one yeah. of these like eight point criteria is that the the organization has to have electoral aspirations and it has to have a general program with like concrete policies, environmental policies, uh, economic policies. It can't just be like, oh, we want to change. There are a lot of organizations that want to change and we support them. But for the, for the purposes of the election, if you want to be a political organization that people are going to come and say, should I vote for you? We really think like it's the minimum is to have this like program, like you're saying, you know, concrete uh, solutions or policies that if they get elected, into parliament, they want to implement them. Right. I want to put it out there because it's probably on the back of people's minds or listeners who talk about, yeah, but the current system preserves a certain balance because of cultural or religious Religious, or trouble. I'm just going to say this. If you're that afraid of the people living in the country getting to decide how it goes, I mean, then what's the point? We need to understand one thing. Everything that's in front of us is man-made. Like People put this system. People build it. And if we want to be in a system that we imagine we're living in, we have to build that. We need to start in some way. So this idea that we've reached the point that oh, we can't, like, the system is destroyed and we can't do anything. Someone built the system the same way you can build the system. Or, or rebuild yourself. it. Rebuild it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think? Okay, generally, what do these eight criteria touch on? 
cool. So I'll go over them really quickly and people are going to get to see them more. The eighth criteria is that the organization has to be non-sectarian and secular, not linked to the current political establishment like March 8 or March 14. As a political entity, not as individuals, did not participate in the civil war, not accountable to like a foreign country or agenda. And this link to another point I'll come to. Uh, they, like I said earlier, they must have like, electoral aspirations, a general program, concrete uh, you know, uh, policies. The party itself must be democratic in nature. We can't expect someone who, to run the country in, like, in a democratic way if he, doesn't run, he or she doesn't run the party in a democratic nature. Uh, they must be financially transparent and like, all their funding is like, public to everyone. And this is where it connects to like, a foreign country or agenda. So if more than half your funding is coming from a certain country, it's going to raise some questions. And we want to try to get away from that because that's what we've been like deeply entrenched with. And finally, must actively uphold the uh, demand for equality, anti-discrimination, and uh, not use any hate or discriminatory speech. So like these are really the basics, you know, just for like a party to be like an alternative acceptable option. Sure. And just to highlight, I mean, I know some of these things might seem very fanciful and far-reaching, mm in comparison to the current status quo. And I think A, tempering our expectations is good. B, just having these sort of tent poles as something that we can collectively start to aspire to, I think is one decent mm. step way forward. Nobody says things are going to magically be better 100, mm. you know. Exactly. It's the drop of a hat. We know whatever, you know, economic and social damage has happened right now is going to take time. A lot of time. It's going to take a lot of organization from our part as, yeah. you know, citizens. There are alternative organizations they exist they're young they're they're small but they exist and uh, people can start to get to know them and they can choose if they believe they're an alternative candidate or option Ahmed, just for our listeners is the website up how do they get this information yeah are you guys going to be campaigning soon yeah yeah so we've launched our social media and if you want you can find us on instagram at Mm saudi.vote and we're planning to launch our website so the online resource tool by the end of the year so by the end of december it's going to be out there and accessible for everyone to to get and it's going to be www.saudi.vote they can actually go on that website right now there's like a landing page where they can put some like information subscribe so that they can start getting emails once once it launches that will be live by the end of the year and listeners we have some news the reason we've done these two episodes to introduce you to Impact and Saute is because the team from A Better Beirut is going to be teaming up with Saute and we're going to be the official podcast for this platform. We're going to be talking to people who are possibly from the parties. We're going to be informing you guys how to vote, what to do, what you need to know, whether you're in Lebanon or abroad, so that we can make a difference here. That was the whole point of this podcast starting out, A Better Beirut. And now we feel like this is the purpose we need to go forward with. The podcast A Better Beirut will stay live. It'll still be going. It'll still be in the background. But our priority will be the Saute podcast moving forward until the elections in 2022. Stay tuned, guys. It'll come out starting of 2021. Beginning of 2021. Something like that. You know, things, you know, times, times, time is a flat circle. We don't know when things are happening and, and when it's going to... The Saudi podcast will be starting in 2021, January. Stay safe. Keep each other safe. Wear a mask. Hello. <laughs> Hello.